Hi, and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist, and I'm the online editor at The Strad. Regular visitors to thestrad.com will know that two-set violins celebrated a significant milestone late in 2022. Upon reaching 4 million subscribers on YouTube, the violin comedy duo put on a performance of a lifetime with the Singapore Symphony Orchestra, with Brett Yang playing the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto and Eddie Chan joining him later for the Bach Double. Not only this, but for the occasion, Terizio loaned the pair two Stradivari violins from 1708, the Empress Caterina and the Regent Superb. What an opportunity! Brett and I chatted recently about his experience playing this marvellous instrument, what it taught him about his playing, as well as other instruments he's played throughout his career. Here he is. Brett, welcome to the Strad podcast. Uh, wonderful to have you here today. Um, you're joining me from Singapore, so it's quite a global collaboration today. First of all, let's talk a little bit about instruments that you've played throughout your lifetime, throughout your career. Readers of the Strad will know that you've been lucky enough recently to play the 1708 Empress Caterina Stradivari violin for your 4 million subs concert in November 2022. So a wonderful opportunity, but opportunities like that don't just come out of nowhere. There's there's a build-up to that. So tell me a little bit about your first instruments that you played. For sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on board and thank you to all the Stradlisters out there. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Violins, it's always interesting. I, I feel like when you grow up as a kid, you kind of just get past an instrument and you just go along with it, right? And as you grow and as you learn, you know, practicing more and more, you start developing a awareness for, let's say, quality of sound or the type of violin you're playing, the playability of it, things like that. My first full-size instrument was a Skolovetsa and I hadn't changed for honestly a good 16 years 17 8 17 years sorry I'm just adding numbers up so about 17 years I've played this uh, on the Skolovetsa yeah, as a student shout out to my parents actually for helping me buy the instrument it's, it's, it's definitely a, a very supportive I think definitely when you play like an instrument this long, you start growing with it, right? And as scroll of it, like the violin does change sound over time. The sounds that change over time. So that was kind of my first instrument. Um, I never had many experiences playing multiple instruments because back then I was just really focused on practicing. So it was just whatever I had then, right? Fast forward to now, I mean, right now I play on a Widen House, which is a new violin, but talking about the Strat, that's super interesting. That was on loan by Teresio. We went yeah. to New York last year in 2022, in April. Uh, we visited Teresio to make a video. Uh, I think they were auctioning the Da Vinci Stradivari. So they had us there to you know, play their share to our audiences what the world of instruments like. Um, talk about Stradivari's, Gorneri's and all these makers because there are a lot of people out there that don't know who these makers are actually from our audience. So that was, I think they really find it fascinating and how crazy expensive it can be, right? Because it's almost like a collectible. It's like Picasso in terms of artworks and things like that. 
the strat came about was when I reached out to Carlos, so shout out to Carlos. I said, like, hey, um, we're, we're doing this concert. What does it look like when we load an instrument? And Carlos was like, hmm, how about we get you a couple of strats? And I was like, sounds fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, sure. Why not? People always ask, do we get to choose or not? I kind of left it in his hands. I knew he would pick great instruments for us. Stradivarius, I mean, at this point, I don't really care. It's a Stradivarius. You know, can't really complain, right? And Carlos picked two violins from Eddie and myself, both in 1708. So I played the Empress Katarina and Eddie played on the Regent. Now, I've been fortunate enough to play on Strats before in videos. So I've had a slight taste of what it was like playing Strats, but I've never had a Strat for you know a longer time to practice on to get to know yeah. you know i was asking like a lot of solos like hillary ray is like hey what is it like playing on the strats yeah are there any tips you know a lot of them were just saying look it takes time to get used to you have to spend time you have to play it more and that was definitely something i experienced you have to change your technique in a very delicate way to adapt to a strat and you hear these stories of oh, strat you can't just kind of force the, the sound out or really play into the string like a Gorneri with your you have to kind of let it sing by itself and that was definitely the experience so I had to change my technique a little bit during the month leading up to the concert and that was very scary so even though it was a strat I was also very nervous because I was not familiar with it that's interesting isn't it I've heard the same thing about strads as well I've not played a strad cello before that may change one day who knows <laughs> but I have heard that definitely it takes getting used to that's exactly what people say it's not always smooth sailing in a way it kind of plays you the instrument and you you're playing you have to sort of meet in the middle I know that you just said that you had to change your technique in a certain way like what sort of techniques did you have to change you know in terms of the right hand the left hand yeah I like I like how you said so it's it's almost like a dance together with the instrument. You can't just lead all the time. You have to work with your partner, you know, on a dance floor, right? Mm. And it kind of felt like that. The biggest change I noticed actually was in my right hand, bow arm. The left hand had some changes, mainly just, you know, typical tenacious spacing issues. When you shift the up and down, the size of a violin is slightly different to the violin I normally play on. But... The bow really was the big um, change for me. The strat just would not give way. If I decide to press a little bit too hard, it kind of just won't give me the colorful velvety sound it has that this Empress, this Empress Katarina had. And so it really taught me how to approach my bow technique, actually. Because after playing on a strat for a month, I've noticed my sound production is better right when you go back to your other instrument yes because i'm trying to recreate that same sound Mm -hmm. and estrad really told me how to make that sound that's interesting so was it a change of you know i mean we can get quite technical here uh, because it's it's string layers but like you know in terms of contact point or like pressure like what sort of things had to change and also how much of it was to do with the setup I'm, i'm aware that like the setup back in 1708 would have been very different the way that people would have approached the strings presumably gut strings would have been quite different because you really have to coax the sound out of a string 
in that way. You know, you can't press into gut strings because your instrument will just say, no, thank you. You know, how much of the setup has an influence on, on the way that you produce the sound? Oh, a lot. I mean, honestly, I couldn't make any changes. I was too scared. You know, I was like, oh, maybe I, you know, they're tweaking the sound post and things like that. I was, because it was too close to the concert. But in terms of like the setup and the technique, I had to use a lot more bow in terms of bow speed. My distribution of my bow weight had to change a lot too. So I really had to kind of change my bow technique in a way where when I was playing piano soft, I wasn't just lightening the bow up. I was actually removing weight. It's very hard to explain. It's like there's still weight, so you still have the you have that fullness in the tone. Yeah. But I think that's what they talk about. That's what they say about your pianist, your your softness has to project to the end of the hall. Yeah, that's the hard thing about playing piano. Uh, soft like it sounds yes. like we're talking about the, the instrument I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes piano is very hard but that's the difficult thing about playing soft isn't it is is to have that that core that still you know focus center of the sound but at a lower dynamic and it can hurt physically if you're not doing it correctly right exactly yeah and it can't sound like it's whispery or like you lost contact point it's fluffy right it needs to still have that core in the sound and Estrada really taught me how to do that. I mean, I'm no like professional at it, but it really taught me how to create that sound. And it was a new sound, actually. It, it taught me, you know, it's like you have to know what you want in order to be able to create the sound you want, right? If you can't hear it, it's be, it'd be pretty hard to make that sound. Yeah. So Estrada kind of gave me that guidance and the type of tone I like. Yeah. And actually, I'll be honest, when I first played, it's going to sound crazy. When I first played the Empress Katarina, I wasn't so sure if I liked the tone. But very quickly, I started understanding it more and more. It was almost like my ears hadn't developed the understanding for the sound I'm hearing. And then literally over the course of a month, wow, I heard the difference when I went back to my violin. I was like, no way. <laughs> it's undisputable. The tone is so much more complex. It offers a lot more color, you know. But when I first played it, I couldn't hear it. Yeah, I can imagine that if you are new to a strad and you have the sound, and initially you just think, oh, I don't like the sound because it's unfamiliar. But yeah. what it does offer, if you allow yourself to open up to it, is that it's got much wider color palette. Yes. And it enables you to discover those, but you have to put in the work to actually find those colors and, and develop your, your ear in that sense. Yes. I mean, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the approach to a very old instrument like this, 1708, compared with modern instruments. You know, you mentioned the instruments that you've played, um, that you currently play, and also the the Skrolovetsa. I've played a cello by him before once. Oh, wow. I've tried one out. I met his daughter in Cremona. I I met her and I played her father's um, cello um, from 2000. So, you know, presumably modern instruments, when you play an instrument where you're the only owner to have had it um, compared with a Strad or an old Italian master that has been played by numerous hands before. You know, tell me a little bit about how you think that has an impact on the instrument's sound. You know, you mentioned before <laughs> about how like a modern instrument it sort of grows, you sort of grow with it. Well, <laughs> I'm wondering, oh my God, do I even deserve to play the Strad right now? <laughs> That's the first thought. But I think in terms of the sound, to be honest, there's so many times where I 
Miss Solis just played my instrument and it sounds completely different. I'm just like, huh, wow, I gotta practice. <laughs> it does not sound like the violin that I play on. That's kind of the modern instrument side. Yeah, that's the weird thing is is hearing your own instrument back. Because we're not always in a position to, to do that. But someone recently played my instrument. Um, I play a modern instrument from 2005. And I heard it and I was like, what? That's not what it sounds like. I mean, there are other factors as well. The fact that it's not right under your ear and you're at a distance. Yeah. But like, it's interesting seeing how a different person a- approaches your your. Oh, for sure. And especially when you get a soulless play. And he's always like, whoa. I've never heard that from your violin before. Like, oh, that does not sound like, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, thanks, man. But I think in terms of the Strad, it just seems like it's more developed over time. As a great maker and time was on its side, on the violin side, right? And it's been played in a lot more and has a lot more colors to offer. Even the slightest bow change, slightest pressure or weight that's placed on a different contact point. It's very obvious that the sound has changed. And actually, the way I see it, the Strad kind of guides you to discovering the sounds, which is what I mean by when I went back to my instrument. It kind of gave me tools to try to figure out how to make the sound I want. Right? I started getting a bit more experimental. It's, it's like, oh, okay, this is the type of sound I can make on this violin. Oh, this is the type of sound. Oh, it gives me this kind of more edgier sound if I'm here. Right? Oh, here's a bit of a more rounder tone or warmer color you know or mm. yellow sunshine I don't, things like that kind of daunting at first because I, I imagine that like you know when you've got something like this you can kind of have multi-option anxiety it's like oh my god where do, on earth do i start it's like i don't know why this is the first example to come to my head but for example like if you have a drill with like a thousand different drill bits and you just think oh my goodness like <laughs> what on earth am I going to use all of these tiny little drill bits for? But then once you like get a bit more education and like you understand maybe a little bit more about your craft, you'll find the right drill bit for the right occasion. Yes. Oh, can I add also, I was very scared of hitting it or dropping it. That is all very true. <laughs> oh, so actually, the first week, I was just like super wary of just, you know, playing, even playing Fortissimo. I was like... Oh, I know I play violin for a long time, but I just really don't want to chip it in the yeah, corner yeah. or do something <laughs> like that. You know, it's just, of course it happens over time. It just happens. It's normal, of course. You sometimes hit the side where you're getting it really into the piece. Everyone does it. But I just didn't want to be that person <laughs> in the first week anyway. Yeah, the instrument survived this long. Like, this is not yeah. the end of the road. <laughs> it's not yeah, with me. Yeah. yeah, but that gave me a little bit of, like, made me a little bit anxious. Yeah. Yeah. to be kidding um actually we made a video bit about it and actually funny enough in the video i did but tip of my bow hit the side of the strat a little bit and eddie was like whoa i was like no <laughs> so that was a bit of a bit of yeah. an experience it's scary yeah yeah, yeah it's totally. scary. it's like don't yeah it, like that that would just be the time that your hand would just open involuntarily and yeah That was Brett Yang, and that was just an excerpt of our conversation. Keep an eye out on thestrad.com in the coming weeks for a series of web articles featuring Brett. Don't forget to check out thestrad.com where you'll find the latest news, articles, and reviews on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students, and if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days, start reading right away with no strings attached. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or a rating. It will help people discover the podcast. 
Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.